Welcome back to another episode of The Scorer's Table. I'm William Robbins. We are now one, two weeks into the NBA season here. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks into the NBA season. It's been a fun one. Julian McKee's here. We're going to break it all down. How are you doing? What is good, everybody? Will, I'm in great spirits. You know, weekend's coming up. I'm about to hit New, about to hit New York for the weekend. Got to get out of Boston, get some... To, to refresh my brain for these last two, two and a half weeks of school. Nice. Uh, you know, feeling great day at the gym today. Looking like a looking like a hunk of man meat. Pause. Um, <laughs> makes mental note of where to cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. How are you, Will? You know, I'm good. And I had a I had a great weekend. I was away. Um I was I was up in Ithaca, New York, so Damn, bro, you I, I gotta give it I've gotta give you credit. You ride that bus. Yeah. You ride that bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 totally worth it. But woof, when you get to about hour four and a half. Yeah, damn. It's like it's like uh, okay. The, the the novelty is worn off. Facts. Plus you gotta go to the port authority and shit. Like Oh my god. Ugh. I okay. I, I might have set a record here. I uh, I was I sped walked speed walked sped walked speed walked mm-hmm. from from Penn Station all the way to Port Authority and got my ticket printed in 13 minutes. Oh, okay. That's so not that's that, that's, that, that's, that's across like an avenue or two avenues up eight blocks and in a line to get my ticket printed. And you're walking like, and you got to zigzag throughout the. Tour. And and that and that's like Midtown area, yeah, which you zigzag through like the tourists yeah. and heroin addicts. Anyone, <laughs> anyone that knows me knows that there is no area in the entirety of the world that I dislike more than Midtown. Oh, it's terrible! I despise it. Anything west of Grand Central, I don't fuck with. If you were like, you can either spend a day in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, or, or, uh, or in Times Square, I'm going to choose Pittsfield. <laughs> Because because at least like the the five guys there isn't New York City pricing. <laughs> so let's get into some basketball on that note. <laughs> that's a real that's a real deep dive right there. And, and before before we get into our our weekly episode, we got some buying or selling here for you guys. Just just you know quickly, Phoenix five and two. We both said last pod. Are we buying or selling them? Uh, still selling. But still, still selling. Aaron Baines is shooting like forty eight percent from three point. Like you know what I saw I, I, about Aaron, Aaron Baines? Baines? But like, come on. Mm-hmm. I saw about Aaron Baines in seven games this year. He's had over six assists in like four of them. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Aaron Baines last game for them had he 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 set seven screens in a row that resulted in seventeen points. Like, where are you finding these 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 statistics? NBA.com slash stats. Just what do you just go, like? Aaron Baines screens. If you if you type in screen assists, it, it shows you like who the top ranking is. Your boy DeAndre Jordan's pretty high up there. Yeah, well, we know from you. We know your YouTube searches are filled with Aaron <laughs> Baines screens. I think so. I think I have an unhealthy obsession with Aaron Baines screens. Oh, I looked up those videos, by the way. Yeah, they exist. I told you. <laughs> they really do. Also, another thing that we didn't get to touch on last pod, um, we talked about uh, Golden State. Are we buying or selling them? I I said that I'm still high on them. Not anymore, obviously. Uh, Steph Curry is going to miss 
a few months here with a broken hand. Um, so hope hope he has a full recovery. In some ways, this is probably a blessing in disguise for Golden State. Um, now they can unapologetically tank, although Eric Pesca is not letting do that. But, <laughs> Shouts to the Bronx, BX. I see you. I see you, Eric yeah. Pasco. The thing with this Warriors team is that it's actually – I don't think that they're going to completely tank because they're just, they just do have like these fun young guys that Steve Kerr is doing a really nice job with right now. And I think that they should just kind of play it out as they are right now and just and see what happens. If they lose a bunch of games, whatever, but at least find out, I guess, what you have. As far as these guys like Kai Bowman, who's playing well, Jordan mm-hmm. Poole, my guy Glenn Robinson, Pascal, guys like that. And just, and just see what happens. You know, you've got a fun young team that's yeah. easy to root for. And, you know, Kerr's doing a great job. It, it's funny because you always, you always hear about these coaches, like these great coaches that, go, that coach great teams. And, and you ask them, like, what is the, your favorite team you've ever coached? A lot of them, a lot of them will answer, like, Oh, it was that year where we didn't make the playoffs, but it was a super fun group. Like, yeah. like I'm positive that Belichick's favorite year ever coaching the Patriots was the year where Tom Brady tore his ACL. Mm. Just, or, or, or how much? I, another. Now I'm going back to back NFL analogies. Love that. But over the over the last few games, Sean Pay, Sean Payton hasn't had uh, Drew Brees healthy. He's had to play with a backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Coaches much must love that stuff where they can kind of just there's no pressure. You can it's all you scheming. It must be fun. Yeah, I think I think uh, Doc Rivers last year is a, is another example of that. I feel yeah. like he really loves you know putting his imprint and being able to kind of flex his coaching muscles with that team last year. Now he you know got these and it paid off obviously. Yeah, of course. Of course. Now, let's get into buying or selling mm-hmm. because we got a full episode here. There is plenty to talk about, but we're going to start off with a very controversial topic. <laughs> and I say controversial because Julian and I both have bias with this team. So as yeah. I'm sure you can figure out, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Julian has bias because... That's his favorite team. Yeah. I have bias because they have my least favorite human on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Trump not, not that bad. Kyrie. Not that bad. Not that bad. We we, we did get Kemba out of that, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so but, but we're gonna talk about them. <laughs> but we're gonna talk about them here because they're a very interesting case study about can you build a team in a year where you're not or can you be competitive in a, in a building towards next year team if that makes sense mm-hmm. because they're 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 in a tough spot and i'll just quickly summarize like what's going on they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league they have all these guys and their roster is built around Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant they don't have half those guys Kevin Durant is not playing for the entire season. So now you're left with this roster, which doesn't necessarily fit together in this current iteration of the team. Mm-hmm. And, and can they make it work? So to the best of our ability, we are both going to try to dismiss all bias and talk about it. So Julian, are you buying or selling that the Brooklyn Nets can be a good team this year? I am 
buying that they can be a good team this year, and they're I'm also buying that they can be a playoff team this year. Okay. First, I think the playoff team kind of just that that kind of falls in line with being a good team because even though you know teams like the Magic, you know, uh, are playing well, and, and and the Bulls haven't been bad, and and you know the Hawks now are going to miss John Collins, but there but there is some competition in the East, I think, as far as for the lower playoff seeds. But if the Nets have a winning record, they have to be a log for the playoffs, right? Yeah, and I think the next. Can- I mean, yeah, but I don't. But 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 the question is, will they have a winning record? Yes, I I, I do. I definitely do think so. Um, okay. With this Nets team, I'm still quite patient. I think yes. that patience is key when. Especially in this team, your best player wasn't there last season, and you're still trying to build chemistry. And for what it's worth, even though the Nets' offense has stagnated at times during this these first games of the season, and there's been too much ISO ball, and the defense has looked just atrocious at times, I loved what I saw last game against the Pelicans. Even though the Pelicans have one of the Few defenses in the league, as you so <laughs> pointed out, Will, that are worse than the Nets so far. Um, the Nets ran the ball down their throats. I love, um, I love the ball movement that I saw a lot of the time. Um, I think that, and even though you know they didn't get great shooting from guys like Torian and Prince, who've been great for them this year, I really like what I saw in that game. Even though the Nets still gave up like 120. 40 of which were to Brandon Ingram. And it's honestly, Brandon Ingram just made shots. Like he, a lot of the times, he, that's he actually a few tough ones. Defense on them. He just, he was just really good. But, um, but I, I do think that the Nets have a trade to make this year. And okay, so you do see them this, making a move. You broached this, um, a few days ago via text as far as the Nets should yep. look at Josh Richardson, which yep. I think is a fantastic idea. And even though I don't want to, part with someone like Joe Harris, who I really have a love for, especially as one of like the, the longest tenured members of this Brooklyn roster, who's kind of one of the best one of the best examples in the culture and the player development system that the Nets have. Um I think the Sixers, that team needs some outside shooting, bro. We are we know this. Yeah. And Simmons was two of eight for with six points the other day against the Suns, who literally just got down on their knees and pleaded with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, please take an outside jumper. Please. Which he did not. Begging you. We're begging you. And, ben and, and to be fair, the Sixers fans were begging him too. Because a little bitch he is. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. I'm sorry, Ben Simmons, but your move in that ball with Towns and Embiid, when you had M- when you had Towns in a chokehold on the ground where Towns couldn't do anything, that was a bitch move. There's no other way to put it. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway I think that the the Nets can definitely pull off a deal around Harrison Richardson and and that's also in their best interest going into next year because I think KD is going to be he's going to be most of his past self which is still an all-star caliber caliber player but the Nets are still going to need some wing defense help anyway so Richardson yeah. makes it better this year and next year so but I agree. around I like a lot of the stuff I've seen from the Nets I know I'm I'm getting long-winded here but Karis LeVert has been fantastic on offense. Yep. I like what I've seen from Prince. I think the Nets I think the Nets they they still definitely have a ways to go, but the signs are there and I've got a lot of patience and faith in this team. Will, the floor is yours. So yeah, um number 1 so so the Josh Richardson thing cuz I cuz obviously that was I mean obviously I like it it was my idea. Mm-hmm. But 
it, I mean, it wouldn't. You couldn't do it just for like straight up Joe Harris because the the problem with the Sixers is they need bench scoring. So you yes. would have to probably do something like Joe Harris and Karutz, who's just been doing nothing for you this year. Just uh, something, something along those lines for Josh Richardson, because otherwise, it's that's not. There's no way the Sixers would do that. Well, yes, Joe, Joe Harris isn't enough by himself. I don't, I don't mind that with Karutz, even though I mean that's my guy right there. I don't know if he fits into this iteration of the Nets. Really, I don't believe so. That's and and that's not even his fault. That's just kind of the way it is right now, which which is too bad. Mm-hmm. So here's here's my take on the Nets because because I. Their offense has been very good. Mm-hmm. And my concern with that, and this is my same concern with the Celtics, is that it's unsustainable offense. Because if you look at like kind of how people are shooting, Joe Harris is shooting 55% from three points. That's going to go down, obviously. Not Kyrie- by, probably only by like 10% or whatnot. But 10% hey. is huge. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still something. It's still something. I mean the, the the Nets the Nets as a team are shooting like forty three percent or something from three point this year as a team. They're shooting forty one percent from three point as a team this year. That's by far and away the best in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I worry that they're being that they're being carried here by unsustainable shooting. And I look at that defense and I don't see or necessarily a roadmap to how they get better on defense. Just because they don't have anyone on their on their current roster, now, they could trade for someone, but with the, their current roster, I don't see how they improve on defense. Just because of the fact that you're starting a lineup of Kyrie, Levert, and Joe Harris, who all three are very good offensive players, but none of them are anything better than average at most on defense. And you're going to have games like that, Brandon Ingram. And this is my same concern with the Lakers of um, how can they stop a point guard? It's the same thing like this. There, there's no, there's not necessarily a way to improve with the current roster. Now you could argue that David Nwaba needs more minutes. Yeah. I like David Nwaba. David Nwaba is one of the worst offensive players in the league though. <laughs> There, there's, there's a reason for, for the minutes he gets, and that might be a gamble you take while these guys are having, well, well, guys like Joe Harris are shooting an, uns, an unsustainable 55% from three point. This mm-hmm. might be the best time to play him, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I look at their team and I'm not sure how they can get it right on defense. Plus, plus a, a lot of the nets, they're, they're moving the all pretty well. They're uh, not in the league in assists per game, but they are last in the league in turnovers. They're turn over, turning over the ball a lot, which to me shows, which to me shows that they're not totally in sync yet on offense, and they're being. And I just I worry about what happens when the shooting gets worse because I don't see the defense getting better. However, I feel like if the shooting when the shooting gets worse over games, I feel like the turnovers are also going to go down because watching a lot of the Nets. I feel like some of their turnovers are just like kind of miscommunication and still trying to work out the kinks among a bunch of guys that haven't necessarily played together that much. Like Dinwiddie and Jordan might have turned over the ball like, I don't know, 15 times together this year just because of kind of watching alley-oops and stuff like that. Yep, and, Dinwiddie's having yeah, three turn, turn, turnovers a game. Yeah, and I feel like 
Um, and, and Jared Allen was really good last game against the Pelicans. And I know the Pelicans really don't have any interior defense whatsoever, especially when you have, like, <laughs> Jalil Ogafor playing minutes. Like, you know. Who's been good? Who's been good this year? Yeah. On offense. Yeah, on offense. I mean, he, he's playing. It's, Jalil Ogafor has to play defense. And, yeah. I mean, I don't really have to elaborate on that point anymore. But Fits well with um, this Nets roster. And, and I mean, ja- and, and Jared has has been very up and down this year he's had a few games where he's just missed dunks he's missed layups he's turned the ball over kind of just mm-hmm. letting it get slapped out of his hands and he he, he was he's honestly been been kind of ins- uninspiring this year overall but I like what I saw from him last game and I think that you know if, if he gets better and the Nets chemistry with their big guys gets better all all right there that um that knocks down the turnovers and as well as just guys like like Kyrie just Kyrie and the point guards they just they just need to keep making smart decisions and I think they are getting better turnover wise at least. Yeah, the thing with the thing with the Nets and and having Kyrie as your as your best player, um, as someone that had that for two years and watched a lot of him on the Cavs just to kind of figure out what was going to happen once we traded for him. He's not Kyrie Irving will never be a ball movement guy. He has never done that in his entire career, dating all the way back to to Duke and through high school. He has never been a ball uh, a ball movement guy. Loves to have the ball in his hands, which which is fine. I mean, he he's one of the best offensive players in the league. He should have the ball in his hands. I'd rather have have him have the ball in his hands than any other player on the Nets. But that's for someone that also has a fragile body like his own. I, not to be morbid, but I wonder if, because Kyrie has played the first seven games of the season, Kyrie usually misses about 20 games a season. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we are that first Kyrie Irving injury away from the team kind of figuring out how to play with itself. That's fair. That's, that's, compl- that's completely fair as far as, I mean, I mean, Ky- the Nets have given up big points to point guards this year. There's no secret about that. Yeah. Duh. I mean, I'm not saying John Morant isn't good, but I mean, they gave up 30 to the guy. I mean, shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, and, and that's the thing with this team. Um, but, and, you know, if Kyrie is out of the lineup, that could do them some, some good. But when you're talking about Kyrie wanting the ball in his hands and whatnot, I feel like the Nets should say, cool, Kyrie, take the ball in your hands sometimes. But don't. Well, they have so far. Yeah, but don't slow the offense down when you're doing that. Like, I think what they did against the Pelicans last game, they did a great job of running, letting him have the ball, and then letting him pass to the shooters in the corners as far as Levert and Joe Harris. Levert has been great with corner threes this year, which is a big, which is a thing that he really needed in this game, and he's doing a great job of now. So I think that, you know, the building off that, it's something the Nets need to do, and hopefully, um, as a Nets fan, we can see more of that in the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that there's definitely a roadmap to them in, uh, improving and staying afloat on offense. I just, I really worry about them defensively, and I'm not sure. If you add Kevin Durant to this roster, I'm still not sure that they're a good defensive team, uh, especially a post-Achilles Durant. I mean, I think that I think that we definitely do agree that a tweak does have to be made to this roster as far as getting 
a better wing defender out there. Yeah, I think, so I think I think I think definitely it comes ultimately I think ultimately it just comes down to can you improve the Joe Harris spot? Because Joe Harris is a great player, but you can't play Joe Harris if you're going to play Kyrie. Not yeah, not I, enough defense in that backcourt. No, I I agree with that. All right. I, All right. I, I, so, so let's move on to our next buying selling. Look at this one. We had a civil. We had a good thorough. That was good. unbiased good. discussion. Was that not great? That was great. That was great. And now, now I'm just going to casually throw out that every good defender they had last year left. Now, oh, wow. Anthony Davis. Wow. Anthony that's such a, that's such a Davis. Let's in, talk about him. Patience is key. Rome wasn't built in a day. Was Rome <laughs> built in a day? No, it wasn't, you know? They had to make the, they had to make the act up. They had to make they, Prometheus was out there, you know? Julius Caesar. All those guys, Michelangelo, Rome wasn't built in the day. The Nets aren't either. Ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's talk about topic. Anthony Davis. Because <laughs> Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, um, for people that don't know, the Lakers gave up probably the biggest bounty ever for any NBA superstar until the Clippers traded even more for Paul George a few days later. <laughs> they have mortgaged their entire future on this guy, and so Anthony Davis is from the city of Chicago. They're, they just played against the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. These were some of his quotes. Quote, he was, or sorry, he was asked about if Chicago is the mecca of basketball. He said, quote, it is. We've got the best basketball players ever. You look at the history with all the guys we've got, and they made the, sorry. You look at the history with all the guys we've got that made the league, and even the guys that didn't make the league. They say New York, but it's not even close. Chicago is absolutely the mecca. He was then asked, would you want to ever play for Chicago? He said, quote, well, I am a free agent next year. He was asked to clarify those comments, and he attempted to by saying he's focused on winning a championship with the Lakers and LeBron, and then said, we'll see where it goes from there. Mm. Julian, are you buying or selling that Anthony Davis would leave the Lakers and go play for the Bulls this offseason. Here's the thing, Will. I really want to buy this just because of how funny it would be for yep. the Lakers and all their fans. I don't have anything wrong. I don't have anything against Lakers fans at all. Unlike you, Will, who I know I know all you Celtics fans can't stand the Lakers. Um, but God, it would be so funny if they just gave all those draft picks and Brandon Agram and Josh Hart all that stuff for one season of Anthony Davis. That would be hilarious. But here's the thing. He would be going to the Bulls. Yep. The land of Garpax. The land of Jim Boylan. The land of Zach Levine. So I'm going to say this. I do, I'm selling this with this Bulls roster this Bulls coach, with this current Bulls roster and coach, I am selling. Because yep. when I, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's not logical from the whole Rich Paul standpoint. Yeah, so I'm selling, I'm selling for a few reasons as well. Number one, I feel like if Anthony Davis comes up to Rich Paul and says, I want to go sign with the Bulls, Rich Paul locks him in his car until he changes his mind. Puts him in a chokehold. Yeah, he'll he'll put he'll put him in a straitjacket and throw him in the basement of LeBron's house until he until he signs that contract with the Lakers. I don't think I don't I don't see how I just don't see it happening that he leaves. 
And I would like to say, yeah, this is possible. If Chicago even had a a slightly below average front office situation, but they don't. And I just I don't see how they can they can make the how he would go to this team. And I don't think the Lakers have a good front office situation either, but it's probably better than Chicago. <laughs> it's not going to, to, to Chicago to punch a clock for Jim Boylan every day. That's not going to happen. No. I agree. I don't see it. I just don't. I don't see it. And, and, uh, even though I love my man marketing and Will here is the, the president and CEO of the Wendell That's Carter right. fan club. The, I'm the president and CEO of and we get, get a coach that realizes that Wendell Carter is our best player on the Bulls. <laughs> Boylan, uh, okay. Boylan, no, no, I watched. I watched the best the players. Are. It's insane. It's insane. I watched that Nets. I saw that not uh, the Lakers Bulls game. Mm-hmm. I'm genuinely convinced that Boylan does not know that, like, has, or never watched Wendell Carter, and just he's just like, oh, tall guy, you can start, because <laughs> the way they use him. Is criminal. Yes. He's so good. Anyway. 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 Uh, back to Anthony Davis. If the Lakers if the Lakers struggle this year, there is certainly more reason to say that Anthony Davis could leave. Now they just got back Kyle Kyle Steph Curry Kuzma. And that <laughs> should that should obviously obviously help them a lot. Now no, 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 well, now that Kyle Kuzma actually came up, let's talk about what, what the Chicago Bulls announcer said about Kyle Kuzma. Julian, would you care to uh, say, say the quote? Um, I forget the quote, the, the exact wording, but um, Kyle Kuzma could really shoot it from deep. Fast forward to Kyle Kuzma shooting one for eight from three point. <laughs> now, now, disclaimer, I understand that Kyle Kuzma is, Recovering from injury. I get that he's that was only like his first or second game back or whatever. Second game back. So I'm fully aware of this. And what I read so so I'm not going to mention that on the year he's shooting 13% from three point. I'm not gonna mention that. That would be mean. But I will mention that last year he shot 30% from three point. And I'm convinced that he's not a good shooter and everyone just likes the idea of him. Now back to Anthony Davis. If the Lakers struggle, if the Lakers struggle, I guess anything is hypothetically on the table. But I don't see him leaving, so I'm I'm selling. Yeah, I mean this. The Lakers played like absolute dog shit in the first half last night. They were down about twenty points. Uh, KCP looked terrible. Dwight looked terrible. There was just it, it was just a complete shit show for the first uh, for the first half, but. But the Lakers turned it around in the second. They did. LeBron willed them to victory. AD turned it around. Uh, Quinn Cook was fantastic. Um, but the thing with the but getting back to the Bulls, I mean, also going into next offseason, you have to think about who's on their books. Otto Porter has a twenty-eight million dollar player option. Will, would you care to share your reportings on the Yeah, staff? actually. Actually, so I, I heard from some inside sources that I have, and uh, breaking news, Otto Porter is going to accept that $28 million, whatever you said, player option. 
<laughs> I know this is going to come as a shock to some because he had the opportunity to leave Jim Boylan. But Kyle Kuzma sat, or sorry, not Kyle Kuzma. I'm, that's preemptive Kyle Kuzma right here. Otto Porter sat down with his family, his advisors, his trusted friends, and said, Am I seriously going to turn down $28 million? <laughs> now, Harrison Barnes had this same conversation with friends when he had a player option this summer, this past summer. And they all said, Harrison, you can't turn down that money. You're not getting a deal that big. And Harrison said, guys, it's the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> that got very wordy down the stretch there. But the point is, Kyle Kuzma, I will bet my life's not Kyle Kuzma. I did it again. I will bet my life savings on three things in life. Number one, this Democratic impeachment inquiry probably goes nowhere. I agree. Number <laughs> two. Number two, John Wall is accepting every single option in his contract. <laughs> and three, so is Otto Porter. Those are my three guarantees in life. I wish that first one was different. Now, let's move on to the next topic. Sounds good. The Portland Trailblazers, who... Kind of a rough start. And by kind of, I mean they just lost by nine to a Golden State team, which is kind of unapologetically tanking at this point. More or less. I mean, this was the Golden State Warriors' starting lineup last game. Eric Pascal, Kai Bowman, Glenn Robinson, Jordan Poole, Willie Colley-Stein. These are the other guys that played significant minutes for them. Damon Lee, Alec Burks, Amare Spellman, and Marquise Chris. Julian, did I just read the Golden State Warriors roster or the Santa Cruz Warriors roster? <laughs> well, I'm going to counter your your uh, your name reciting with some of the people who played for played prominent minutes for the Portland Trail Blazers last game. <laughs> Thirty six minutes for Rodney Hood. What? Yep. Seventeen for Anthony Tolliver. I'll get to that one in a minute. Don't you worry. Twenty-six for Mario Hazonia. I will get to that. Don't worry either. And fifteen for Scalabissier, who I didn't know was in the NBA. That one's the one I'm most excited to get to. <laughs> well, the floor is yours. I have nothing else to say. Number one. Also shocked that Scalabissier is in the NBA. <laughs> I followed the NBA pretty closely. I love the NBA. I spend most of my free time looking at stat sheets. If you would ask me before this game, Will, what team does Scalabissier play for? I would have said, like, I don't know, like Barcelona. <laughs> Scalabissier more than unprotected sex. <laughs> now, that was, a, that was an interesting analogy. <laughs> now, Mario has only 26 minutes. I'm fine with that one. You are? On what nope. grounds? On the grounds that he had 11 points, 5 rebounds, shot 4 of 6, 3 of 5 from 3 point, plus 6 in the plus minus, he was good. Uh, okay, 26 minutes? I mean, I would have preferred Kent Bazemore play a little bit more, but Kent Bazemore didn't play well last game. So, I don't know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. This is the one that I'm most excited, second most excited for. Anthony Tolliver played 17 minutes, which if you're keeping track at home, that means that the Portland Trailblazers played 17 
plus 15. So now we're at 32 plus however the amount of minutes that Hazonia played at uh, at power forward. Let's say 10 of those are or let's, let's just let's just make this goal go up to 48 minutes. The Portland Trailblazers don't have a, don't have a power forward. And losing Zach Collins hurts a lot because we both have talked about this. We both like Zach Collins. You like him more than me, but but Zach Collins is good. You you've you've I, turned me on onto, yeah. onto Zach Collins. I, I, think, I was an early Zach Collins, like oh okay, I'm fine with them drafting him this high kind of guy. You really were. So, but don't worry, I've had my my draft misses too. Somehow R.J. Barrett isn't in. Sorry, not RJ, I mean R.J. Hunter. Somehow R.J. Hunter <laughs> is not in the league. You you can you stun me for a second? <laughs> like, Whoa! No, actually, no. One of my takes before the draft is I would have drafted uh, R.J. Barrett before John Morant, but we'll get to that later. We'll get we'll to get that to that later. later. But yeah, so I look at the Blazers. They need a small. They need a power forward like anything else. If only there was a team in the NBA that had about twenty-seven power forwards. <laughs> the, the Portland Trailblazers, if they want to be competitive this year, they need to make a move because. Under no grounds should you be playing Anthony Tolliver and Scalabissier combined 32 minutes unless we are talking about the Santa Cruz Warriors. <laughs> and, and, I, and I like Anthony Tolliver. I think Anthony Tolliver is a good or is, is, a, is a good backup NBA player. He's not bad. He's but a, he's they're a, starting him. Keep getting them checks, Anthony Tolliver. He's a glue guy. He's one of the better glue guys in the NBA. Yeah, Anthony Tolliver is one of those guys because I remember I remember when the when the when the Blazers signed him, I was like, oh, okay, I like that. You know, stretch stretch four. He'll be able to play a few spot minutes off the bench. Uh, spot minutes was my anticipation here. Mm. But he's thirty four years old. I don't. I mean, he's. I just. He's not. He doesn't belong on this team. And or sorry, belong in a starting role on this team. They need to get that figured out. I'm not entirely worried about their small forward depth right now of Hood, Hazonia, and Bazemore. I think that that game uh, against the um, sorry against the uh, Warriors was kind of a uh, all three of those guys aren't going to not be good at the same time. Uh, although although Hazonia played well, but I feel like that was a little spotty. Rodney Hood is better than one for eight. Bazemore is better than three for ten. I mean, do you think that but, this that this kind of looking at this makes it even more obvious that they should look into into, into something like Kevin Love? I mean, because they do have so the, yes, Whiteside and Basemore, they do have the contracts to match it. Yes, so let's so let's talk about the Cavaliers also because that's that's the next team that we were going to talk about. Um, how the Cavs kind of have their shit together. Well, you th- you say they have their shit together. Um. Uh, I- <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I think selling on that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm liking this. Uh, I'm liking this cat. Okay. The, so so you know you know I have my guys in the league that I really like. Mm-hmm. You know I like Colby Altman. Yes, you do. You know I you know I was you know I was happy with the John Beeline hiring. Julian, yeah. who is the Cleveland Cavaliers associate head coach? Uh, Larry Drew. J.B. Bickerstaff. Oh, wow. Another wow. one of my guys. Will, this is really your team, right? This is wow. my team. <laughs> and now you may be thinking, well, J.B. Bickerstaff, wasn't he that really bad coach in Memphis? We're going to overlook that. <laughs> that doesn't count. He was, he was framed. Now, 
the, the, the Cavaliers have been playing pretty well. And I think that this is the ultimate sell high on Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love kind of time. Oh, not, so, so high on Tristan Thompson. Just yeah. Putting up double-double in completely unsustainable production, obviously. But, um, hey, do you think Tristan hit a three this year? Yeah, it's just, it's just like, I don't know. Weird shit happens in the first two weeks of the NBA. I don't really have any, like, explanation for it. It's just, like, kind of a thing. I mean, they have no really other option to play him. I mean, yeah, I would the, rather play Tristan Thompson than Larry Nance for extended minutes. So, I mean, okay, but. Here, here's why I think it's a good time to sell high on Kevin Love. Now, now I've watched a little bit of the Cavs this year, and I'm convinced that Kevin Love is putting in about 60% effort. <laughs> and I can't blame him. And even still, he's averaging 19 and 14 this year. He's been really good. He's been good. He's been good. And four assists a game. Like, he's, like, I think he's been good. And I think that if you can actually catch Portland right now, if you can get them, because they're desperate right now to figure this out, you might be able to get some kind of deal like Hassan, or uh, sorry, not Hassan Whiteside, like Kent Bazemore and Afrini Simons. So Afrini said for Kevin Love, because I think that this could be the time. Now, would I do that if I'm Portland? Simmons is a lot to give up. Simmons is a lot. I keep saying Simmons. I feel I feel like I'm Bill Simmons this podcast. I'm screwing up everyone's name. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm screwing up everyone's name here. Simmons is a lot to give up. He's a he's a good young player, and it's a and it's and it's a decent amount of money for Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you're the Cavs, this is the time where you get them. You say we're going to give you an All Star level player in a position of need. Mm-hmm. And I think that you might actually be able to kind of negotiate like, okay, Julian, if we, let's say, let's say we did Kent Bazemore, Nas Little, Simmons, or, and Simmons for Kevin Love and, um, just picking a random guy here, like, (laughs) sure, Zizic, that's, that's intriguing. One step further, one step further, what if you put Colin Sexton? If I'm the, if I'm the Blazers, why would I want Colin Sexton? Like, sell Will, sell me this pen. Like, why would I want Colin Sexton? Damian Lillard's my point guard. Like, it doesn't make sense. No, no, not at all. I'm not sure I would do that, but just I feel like there's a trade here somehow, and I really feel like Kevin Love is go- is going to end up in Portland this year. It, it makes a ton of sense from the fact that he's from that area and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, and well, from, well, from California, not not Portland, but oh, really? I thought he was from the from the Northwest. Is he? Was he a California kid? I don't know. I thought so. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I'll I'll Google it as we're. That's what we're typing. Yes, yeah, Santa Monica. I'm worried. The thing I'm worried about the Cavs with is I think oh, they, he grew up. He was little league teammates with Clay Thompson. Oh wow! Didn't know that. That's crazy. Anyway, um, I the thing with the Cavs is I think that they see Love as way too much of an asset for their own good. Yes, Love is an All Star caliber player when he's healthy and he's playing well. But right now, I that's think you got to sell high. Yeah, and I think the Cavs. Think of him as their franchise player still. That's the problem. I think they still think that they're a playoff team. They delusionally think they're a playoff team with Kevin Love on their roster, which is stupid, which is just dumb. 
Oh yeah, uh, that, I mean, if, if that's if that's what they think, then they're then they're dead wrong. Personally, I think that's what they think, and I'm not even I'm not blaming Kobe Altman for this. I'm blaming Dan Gilbert more than anything for this because I think it's him that gave Kevin Love Kevin Love the stupid contract that he got a few years ago. Um, that even though I mean I, I understand what you're saying about that that was that's more I'll less defend Kevin value. Love contract. I, I understand that, but it, it came across as a pity contract. Is like oh well, no, it came across up with this contract. Kevin Love, here's your wedding ring. Like it was pretty stupid. It seemed like yeah, no, no, no. Of course, um, my thing with the Kevin Love contract though is it's a four year, hundred twenty million. I believe this is the first year of it. Um, no, sorry, next year is the first year of it. So it hasn't even kicked in yet. Oh God! Wait. I'm sorry. Wow, I really am. I've turned into Bill Simmons here. This is the first year of it. Wow. So he's got good, three good job, more well, years and ninety million on this. He's got three more years of about thirty million dollars. Yeah. Shit, but that's a lot. It, it is a lot, but that's like what Jalen Brown is earning. Like, like the salary cap is high. This is the this is the amount of money you pay for a, for a third option on a ch- on a playoff team. Yeah, and and getting back to the Blazers, I think that they because of the money that they've because they've locked their, themselves into CJ and Dame. That's yes. the fact. that's the way it is with all the money they spent on those guys. I think they might have overpaid CJ a tiny bit, even though I really like him. Um, however, this is their time to go for it. The West, like we, like everybody with a mouth has said, is pretty wide open this year. Anybody, they they definitely have a shot at knocking off the Clippers and the Lakers if they can get love on this team, especially yeah. when Pat Collins comes back. Maybe you get something from Nurkic. So I, I think that even though giving up Simons definitely would you rather? Anything, would, I think you got to do it if you're the Blazers. You're too de- you're in too deep at this point. I agree, and and it, now I think it. I think that whatever trade the Blazers would have to do for Kevin Love, they're going to give up too much. But they're, I think that they're almost too locked. Like, I agree. I feel like they're almost too locked into this CJ-Dame combo where you either have to go all in or all out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read some guys that the Blazers are currently paying money to this season. Ooh, okay. Andrew Nicholson. Oh. <laughs> $3 million. Who, by the way, this is now the second time I've talked about Andrew Nicholson in the last two days. I know. <laughs> I feel like I've talked about Andrew Nicholson more times in the last two days than his own parents have. <laughs> like, anyway, another guy they're paying, Anderson Verjao, $2 million this year. Jesus Christ. Festus Azili, 330000 When was Anderson Verjao last in the NBA? That's a good question. Like, Anderson Verjao was last in the NBA 2016-17. Oh, wow. He played 14 games for the Golden State Warriors, scored one point a game. <laughs> Anderson Varishow used to be good. Yeah, All right. Let's, let's, so, yeah. So, basically, with the, with the, to wrap up the Cavs and the Blazers, Blazers, I think, have to make a move. Cavs, I think, have to sell high. I think the Knicks should also be calling the Blazers about, hey, we have power forwards. But other than that, other than that, I I like I like how how Beeline has been utilizing the bigs in Cleveland. I don't think Beeline's a bad coach, but I think that personally, if if you have a young team, I feel like having an old ass coach there who hasn't coached in the NBA before is just it, it's just not like a good rule of thumbs. 
I, th- I just think that you got to get someone young there as far as what the Hawks have done with Lloyd Pierce, Nets, Kenny Atkinson, um, guys like that. I, I think it just gels better with the young team instead of getting some getting some old head in there. But um, that's fair. But they but they hired him for one reason and one reason only. He's good at developing players and ran a good offense. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I'm not. Garland is. Plus, still- that's why they got J.B. Bickerstaff on that bench. Yeah, Garland is still taking a while to kind of get acclimated to the to the NBA game, so it's going to be interesting to see what what uh, Beeline does there. Exactly, exactly. The true test of how Beeline does is what they get out of Garland. Hundred percent. Next topic, Julian. Zion Williamson is missing a little bit here to start the season to win Rookie of the Year. You don't get if you win Rookie of the Year, you typically have to play about over 65, 70 games. RJ Barrett is looking like a potential Rookie of the Year guy. RJ's been great. And so if you're the Knicks, if you're a Knicks fan, there's definitely. There's there's room for hope, and I, I might have cut you off there, Will, a little bit. I'm sorry, but I am buying that R.J. Barrett has a really, really good shot. I'm almost leaning towards 65% at this point to be Rookie of the Year because I do think Zion's going to take a little. He's going to have a little bit of period of adjustment to the pro game, and I think that it will ba- balance out because teams will make adjustments to R.J. once they figure out how the – like. Please, Marcus Morris, shoot your signature ISO jump shots from from twenty feet away. Like, please do it. Like, we're, yeah, I think the best way to do that. I think the best way if you're an opposing team to to take away RJ is to try to let Portis, Morris, and Randall shoot a lot. Exactly. Um. So yeah. So like I've said, I've watched a lot of Knicks this year. Um. RJ Barrett is legit. And. I'm very worried about his minutes. Mm-hmm. He's currently leading the league in minutes. Fizdale is adamant about how he doesn't care about load management and he will play guys, whatever. And then reference that Latrell Sprewell played 40 minutes a game as a rookie and no one said anything then. Talk about a player to reference. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> does David Fizdale want RJ to choke him out in practice? Like... <laughs> Now, now, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not too high on Fisdale. I think that he hasn't done a very good job this year. Um, I have not liked a lot of his rotations, his minutes, his substitutions. It kind of goes into rotations, but I, I, I just, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Will, but like. That's like judging Fizdale with this weird Knicks roster is like judging Dwayne Casey with this bizarre Pistons roster. I mean, no, that's fair. That's fair. But it doesn't like these guys. That's fair, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that starting DSJ next to RJ is not a good idea. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Nilakina has been great. Nilakina has been really impressive. Last how year. how long have I been saying can someone save Nilakina? I'm so happy he's playing well. 100%. Come on, Popovich. Let's do it. Let's do it, my guy. Come on. Or maybe not, because he's been playing well in the Knicks. Or can or can the Nets get Milkina? He can no. defend guys on the perimeter. I would love that. No, no you, don't, you don't trade within the city. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's just, when do you ever see that? Didn't the, didn't the Nets give the Knicks Bargnani? 
Oh, the Raptors. Oh, oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of trades that have gone down between the Nets and the Knicks. No, it doesn't happen. It's the same thing with, with like the Clippers and the uh, Lakers, which is why, which is why when Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka said, "Hey, you guys can have Zubac," <laughs> it was so damn weird. <laughs> we just want Mike Muscala. That's it. <laughs> that was so weird. Anyway, R.J. Barrett is legit, and he's definitely someone that, as the season goes on, is going to struggle with his shot at times. Yes. His three-point shooting is, un- is is not sustainable. He's shooting 36%, but he probably has more air balls than anyone else in the league from three-point. Mm-hmm. Um, his free-throw percentage, 48%. Ooh, Jesus. So, but his raw numbers of 18, 6, and 4, or 18, 4, and 6, um, he's been good. He's been good. He's got a great feel of the game. The Knicks have already pretty much realized he's their best player. He's their best option, uh, best point guard option. And I think that for the first time since Porzingis, the Knicks have had a young guy that is worthy of hype and worthy of excitement. And I think that absolutely just because also everything gets bigger when you're playing in New York. I think that if he keeps this up, he is absolutely going to win rookie of the year. He's got a shot. He's got a shot. But if Zion comes in and it's complete Zion mania, I yeah. mean, who knows? And, and no, of course, of course. John Moran's putting up good numbers for the Grizzlies, too. So that that's another guy to think about because nobody's scoring on the team other than him. Other than my yeah. man Jackson or, you know, Brandon, uh, Brandon, whatever his name. What, what's his name? Who's that? You know, Brandon, Brandon Clark has, oh, had, uh, yeah. is having a good game tonight for the Grizzlies, but... But but yeah, I think I think RJ is definitely right as of right now. He's in pole position. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our last topic here. Gordon Hayward, who set the non-Wilt Chamberlain record of most amount of points scored in a game from two-point range without missing a shot. Mm-hmm. Sixteen for sixteen. Inside of the paint, this year Hayward is averaging 20 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting 57, 57% from the field, 50% from 3-point, 83% from 3-point. Obviously, those numbers are going to go down a little bit. They have to regress to the mean, um, and that's not even a knock on him. That's just how basketball is. But Julian... Can we finally say that Gordon Hayward is 100% back? Yes, yes, and yes. I'm so happy about it, too. Yeah, I would say I would say that he is 98% back. The only thing is that he's not dunking a lot, but he has been completely— but it is not for, for being afraid, which is the biggest thing. Last year—what's funny is last year was such a disappointing year for him— but if you look at his raw numbers, they were like, you'll be like, oh, those are pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. like he shot 47% from the field. Like he scored 12 points a game. Like that's a pretty good statistical year coming back from injury. But mm-hmm. the biggest difference this year is that the is that he's basically been running the Celtics offense. And he's just been going downhill. He's been he's been getting screens. 
Um, he's been hitting a lot of shots in the paint. He's not afraid. And he's been fantastic. So what do you think about him this year? No, he's been he's been fantastic. And I think that um, it, it was definitely a two-year injury yep. as far as him hurting his leg. And it's just great to see Hayward playing really good basketball again. It's just yep. this, this is a really fun Celtics team to watch. Despite being a Boston team hater, it's a team that it, it's really difficult to root against. I find myself rooting for the Celtics more often than not. And mm-hmm. you know, sh- shout out to Gordon Hayward, man. I think the I think the Celtics are going to win fifty games by a hook or by a crook this year. And 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 yeah, shout out to the whole organization. Yeah, I mean. So do you remember remember during Team USA basketball, I said that I thought the best player on the Celtics wasn't playing Team USA? Did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Ooh, hot take Will. Hot take Will, my guy. Now, I was wrong. Kemba is absolutely the best player on the team. <laughs> but I wasn't far off. Hayward, this was, yeah, this was completely a two-year injury. Hayward has been great. Um, his numbers will regress a little bit, but yeah. Now, in terms of the Celtics as a team, a lot of worrisome stuff. They are five and one. They're on a five game win streak. Um, they are last in the league in bench scoring. Their defense is terrible. Their rebounding is terrible. Um, we're basically just outscoring everyone. Hayward, Kemba, and Tatum are all averaging over 20 points a game. Brown's at 18. You're basically getting your entire team's worth of offense from four guys. And the problem, the, the, the problem with the Celtics is for is when you look at the rebounding. I mean, Cantor being out the last few games has definitely hurt them in that regard. There's no, no I think it's been a, I think it's been a plus. Uh, it's it's been a plus in some areas, but rebounding that's what he does best. That's why he's on this team. And looking at the guys the Celtics have, unless Robert Williams and LeGrand Baguette, Vincent <laughs> just have, have some kind of awakening. Like, and the, the rebounding shit is not going to change. As, as, good no. as, as much as I like Grant Williams, the dude is like 6'6". Six, six. Like, yep. what, are we, what are we asking this guy to do? I mean, shit. Yep. Grant um, Williams is a bigger Marcus Smart, and I love him. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. It's a, fun, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell of a fun Celtics team to root for. Oh, yeah. And, and Will, before and before we go, I know we said this is our last topic, but I I just gotta put this quote out there. Will Rudy Gobert? That's right. Yep. Today said, "Quote: It's on me to get in good positions at the rim and at the same time, it's on my teammates to want to find me." Yikes! Will panic time will, in Utah. Will 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 will. will, will. I'm gonna say I'm gonna ask you this real quick. Are you buying or selling that Rudy Gobert is right about this? That he has a right to be annoyed that he's taking three less shots per game this year. Uh, okay, selling. I'm selling too. Well, because I think this, when you, I think when this you, is bullshit. I think this is bullshit. And I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm like a little bit annoyed about it. I really am. <laughs> yeah, when you look at like when you when you look at the roster. They're, they average two high shot attempt per game, guys, in Bogdanovich and Conley. Mm-hmm. Like, I like Rudy Gobert. I think that he's actually incredibly underrated in terms of, like, the league's best center rankings. I think that he is probably the fourth best center in the league, and I feel bad that he's number four. 
I think he, I mean, he's top five, I think, without a doubt. I think that yeah. we, can, we can unanimously say that. Well, yeah. at least. That being said, um, when you average two guys that both last year took like over 17 shots a game, like this is going to happen. Here's the thing. A, well, I completely agree with you. And B, Rudy Gobert, you do not get to bitch about your teammates wanting to find you in the post until you prove that. And he was talking about last year, too. He said that if if his teammates found him, the series against the Rockets could have gone better. I think I'm paraphrasing here, but that's the gist of what he said. Bro, Rudy Gobert, you're one of the best centers in the league. You're a great defender. You're a great rebounder. There's no doubt about that. But until you until you become a player that I can say, okay, Rudy Gobert, here's the ball, score. That's that's yet to happen. Rudy Gobert is not that player yet. I'm not saying he can't be that player, but he's not that player right now. So Rudy yep. Gobert, until you become that player, you cannot bitch about this. Guess what? Bogdanovich and Mike Conley are on this team now. There's a reason they're on this team. Because and they're both they better offensive players. They the ball enough last year. That's why they're on this damn team. So don't get mad. Your shots are decreasing. That's the point of getting them in the first place. What are you doing? It's funny because the Jazz, even with the addition of these two guys, so the Jazz still shockingly rank number one in defense. That shockingly was sarcastic. <laughs> um, in case that wasn't obvious. Uh, they're a phenomenal defensive team. They rank 26th in offensive rating. Mm-hmm. So they have not been good on offense. But guys like but guys like Mike Conley and Joe Ingles are going to shoot better. Um, we've heard nothing about Jeff Green this year. He's shooting 37%. Guys, guys will, will shoot better. I really feel as though... Now, now, Rudy Gobert, six shot attempts per game for him is low. He should probably take a few of, like, Emmanuel Moutier's shots or someone like that. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of the starting unit, or starting unit, excuse me, he really is the fourth option. So. Yeah, I have nothing else to say to that. And, I mean, the Jazz, yeah. played, the Jazz have played decently this year. I mean, going through their game so far, uh, excuse me, beat the Thunder, uh, lost to the Lakers, beat the Kings, Lost, uh, beat. I mean, beat the Suns by one. Uh, beat the Clippers. Lost to the Kings. Got beat by the Clippers last game. And I mean, I mean, they've been pretty mediocre so far. But hopefully, you know, they'll be better once Mike Conley starts shooting better. I mean, against the in the in the in their win against the Suns, he scored one point. Yep. Ingenious. Jesus. I think I saw. Conley's been bad this year. I think I saw after the Suns game, Devin Booker switched jerseys with someone. <laughs> Devin Booker <laughs> is skinny as shit. I could not believe it. I saw that too. Yeah, he has... needs to do some push-ups or something. Do some yeah. Some do some ab workouts. Do something. He's built like a yeah, built yeah. like an adolescent. Yeah. All but right, we're gonna we're like gonna. What's that? I said Devin Booker is built like your brother. Oof. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not a di- yo, Nick. That is not a diff. It's funny that's a compliment. Oh, love. I'm just saying. But... I'm just saying. Devin Booker. <laughs> the dude needs to, he oh, needs to work out something. Jesus Christ. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Scorer's Table. If Phoenix is still playing well by next week's episode, we'll we'll spend a few minutes talking about them. But I'm, I'm assuming that they regress. Thanks.
Thanks for listening. If you guys enjoyed this, please feel or uh, please subscribe if you're new. Leave us a good review, a comment. We appreciate all that stuff. Enjoy the games tonight, tomorrow, and for the rest of the week. And we'll be breaking them down soon. Thanks for listening. See you.